Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this morning, Lord, that you have given us. Lord, we are reminded when we wake up this morning that we see, Lord, light in our eyes, the sound of our voice that we hear that comes from, from our lips. That we see, O oh Father, even the sun rising in the east. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. Because it is because of your faithfulness, it is because of your love that we are here today. Lord, the, to have the blessing and the privilege of being able to gather together as a body of Christ here, Lord, to be able to worship with each other, to worship you with each other, to be able, Lord, to minister to each other. Lord, it is your blessing indeed, and we want to thank you for that. As we come before you this morning, Lord, right now, just to hear your word, we submit ourselves to your spirit, we submit ourselves to your word. And we ask, O oh Lord, that you will come and speak to each of us. Open our ears, open our hearts, Lord. Open our eyes that we may see the wonderful things that you are showing us, that you want us to know. And help us, O oh Lord, through your word, by the power of your spirit, to encounter Christ in a whole new way this morning and to be transformed more and more into the image of Christ. We give ourselves to you this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Blessed morning, everyone. Blessed morning to Luke and to the Williams. Welcome back, Luke. Uh, we are glad that he has not forgotten us and we have not forgotten him. And blessed morning to everyone who's watching online as well. So, for those of you who do not know, my name is Aaron. And those of you who are visiting the Billabong for the first time or tuning in to the Billabong online for the first time, we have been doing a book study on 1 Corinthians. It was a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to the church or rather the churches in ancient Corinth. Now, 23 sermons, 15 chapters of 1 Corinthians. And this morning, I've been given the horrific task, or sorry, I mean the honourable task of summarising 23 sermons. I hope all of you come prepared and you're buckled your seatbelts and I've been given a timing of just 11 hours. All right. Now, now that we have reached the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 16, I thought it might be helpful for us to pick up of, on one of Paul's final exhortations to the Corinthian church. And so today's Bible reading will be from 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 14. Let all that you do be done in love. And I was just praying and asking the Lord, well, what is it that you want to share that could be an apt summary of this whole of the whole of 1 Corinthians? And so to help us appreciate why would Paul include this exhortation in his final remarks to the Corinthians, let us first do a summary of all the issues and responses that he made earlier in this letter. Now, to do this recap, we are going to have a pop quiz. I'm going to invite you to join us on this journey of recap. And all you need to do is to fill in the blanks. Are you ready? All right. Now, if you, if you get the answers all right, good on you. You have been attentive over the last 23 sermons. If you don't get the answer correct, 
well, you can refer back to 1 Corinthians starting today. All right? Okay, first, first issue. They had divisions within the church because the Corinthians, many of them, were following or aligning themselves with specific teachers, apostles, based on their wisdom or perceived wisdom or based on their oratorical skills, their speaking skills. So they were divided on that. So what was Paul's response to the Corinthians? He said, he told them to boast in God. Oh, wow. And not in? Well done. Why? Because leaders are merely servants of God. And each will receive his own commendation from God. In the eyes of God, they are all one. All right? Second, second issue was on the issue of sexual immorality within the church. There was the issue of incest and the issue of sex outside marriage. So to that, what was Paul's word to them? Paul told them to confront the sin and the unrepentant offender and they are to repent and flee. What's the action of fleeing? Run fast and far, okay? Flee from sexual immorality. Third issue. The third issue was that they had lawsuits among the brethren. And so what did Paul tell them to do? Either settle the issue amongst yourselves or let it pass. Yes. So he told them, do not drag the name of Christ in the mud amongst unbelievers. That's our modern way of saying. All right. Fourth issue concerns marriage and related matters. And this, is, this was where Paul addressed the married, the unmarried, the widows, those who were circumcised or those who were servants. So he told them, essentially, do not seek to change your, your status. Yes. Live as you are called. Okay? So there's no need to change, to seek to change your status just because you are now in Christ with a spirit, new spiritual identity. All right, good. You guys are doing very well so far. Fifth, fifth one regard, uh, is in relation to the eating of food or meat offered to idols. So for this, Paul told them too that all things are, all things are legal or another word for legal, all things are, Oh, so, yes, lawful. Yes, that's with an L, starting with an L and ending with an L. Okay. Look. Okay, but not all things are helpful. Helpful. Maybe, maybe because my font is a little bit small. Not all things are helpful or not all things build up. And he was telling them, do not cause your brother to stumble. So, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he says, Let no one seek his own good, but for the good of his neighbor. So, if eating the food or the meat will cause a brother to stumble in the faith, then don't eat that food or that meat. Do this so that they may be saved. That is, for the sake of the gospel. The sixth issue was the sin of idolatry. And what did he tell them to do? Flee from idolatry. Notice, flee from sexual immorality and flee from 
idolatry. Now, Paul reminded them, using the Israelites as an example, he reminded them not to put Christ to the test, nor provoke the Lord to jealousy. Okay? Now, seventh one. Seventh one concerns the orderliness of public worship gatherings. Now, in this whole category, he addressed the issue of the head coverings, the disorderly use of spiritual gifts, women raising questions in church, but essentially, Paul's main point to them was that Christians should always act in an orderly manner and in a harmonious way. Ultimately, this was an act of submission to God and the edification of one another. That was his main point. All right? Eighth one. The eighth one concerns the abusers and excesses that were at the Lord's Supper, in the practice of the Lord's Supper. In this, what was Paul's exhortation to them? Honour and be considerate to each other, especially towards the less advantaged. In doing so, we honour Christ. Paul also reminded them that it is important to discern and accord due reverence to the significance of the Lord's Supper and that we should not be flippant or casual about it. Ninth one, concerns the misinterpretation of the use or the perceived value of some spiritual gifts. And in that, Paul told them that all spiritual gifts are from the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. The diverse manifestation of the spirit in the form of spiritual gifts here is meant for the common good of the community. And the tenth one, the final one, was a doctrinal issue. They were saying that there was no resurrection from the dead. But, in, but what was Paul's summation in this? He said that Christ has risen from the dead and is alive. And eventually, so will we who are in Christ Jesus. So he told them, so stop sinning, instead be steadfast, in doing the work of God. Alright? So, we have 10 issues and the next slide you will see an overview of all this, the issues. Now, what we have done is also to compress it, you know, just for the sake of time. Now, just pause on this slide for now. Have a look at these 10 issues. What do you think are some of the common behavioral traits or attitudes that you could identify from these 10? What do you think are the underlying attitudes behind these 10? Go deeper, deeper. Okay, let's look at the next one. Your answers are pretty much spot on. So I think I can end my sermon today now. Okay, now let's look at the next slide. The underlying issues. I mean, there are many different ways that we can talk about it. 
but I've just narrowed down on these few here, a self-aggrandizing behavior, always seeking to enhance their personal status, their reputation and their image. A self-promoting mentality, always looking to be ahead of others, to be number one. Self-gratification about what I want now, self-glory, my name, and it all boils down to pride. Okay? So in simple, they had a me, myself, and I type of mentality. It was a selfish, inward-looking, individualistic mindset. Now these were signs of their spiritual immaturity and a reflection of their prevailing world culture then. The church had an appearance of religiosity in knowledge, in speech, even having the gifts of the Spirit. But the love of Christ that was meant to undergird all of these was missing. They looked like a gospel people, but the heart of the gospel was missing in them. Now, what are some of the similarities and the parallels to our church today? How do we regard or measure up those who serve in church ministry? By their titles that they hold, the eloquence of speech, by the display of knowledge that they have, by the size of the ministry or the size of the church, by the degrees that they have achieved or the colleges that they hail from? What are the issues that polarize us in the church today? Do we align ourselves or follow certain preachers or pastors or teachers or Bible scholars? Do we identify ourselves or draw lines of distinction based on Christian denominations? Or political parties? What about hot-button topics, such as the COVID-19 vaccinations? Or whether spiritual gifts, such as prophecy, tongues, healing, still exist in the church and continue in the church today? Are we condoning sin within the church in the name of love? Are we partnering with fellow Christians in the marketplace to reveal the love and glory of God there? Or are we going for each other's throat at the workplace? Are we doing the things, the, the ministries that we do, really out of love for God and love for others? What might be some of the underlying attitudes behind these? Do we detect a me myself and I mentality. Now let us come back to 1 Corinthians. After addressing the several issues in the letter, Paul writes what some would call today a hymn of love. This hymn of love, hymn of love, encapsulates the heart of all the responses that he gave earlier. And so we're going to be reading from 1 Corinthians Chapter 13, verses 4 to 7. And let me read that for us. Love is patient and love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. 
it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Now, notice how these attributes of love are in direct contrast to the deeper underlying attitudes and issues within the Corinthian church. Paul's main point here is that in light of what Jesus Christ has done, love is not just a good idea, nor is it just a good motivation. But love is a behaviour, a behaviour that is meant to characterise Christians, gospel people. And as how Gordon Fee might put it, to love is to act. Anything short of action is not love at all. Now, I cannot go in depth uh, right now um, into talking further about love, but this love that Paul is speaking of is not just any type of love. He refers and he uses the word in Greek, agape love. For the interest of time, I can't go in depth into expounding on agape love, but there are just three aspects of this love that I would like to highlight this morning. The first, this agape love is the character of God. It is who God is. So if we read from 1 John 4, 7 to 8, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God, and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. We can say that God is love, but we cannot say that love is God, although some people could make it sound that way. The second thing is that this agape love is the active love that God has towards Jesus, his son, which Jesus also demonstrated towards his disciples. In John 15, 9, Jesus was telling his disciples that as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Jesus is the true measure of what love is. Third, Point. This agape love is to be manifest and expressed amongst his disciples, amongst his people. In John chapter 13, verses 34 to 35, now after washing the feet of his disciples and having the, the Last Supper, at least as how it was told in the Gospel of John, Jesus told his disciples this, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Now, there are thousands of charitable organizations and religious institutions in the world today doing a lot of good work, a lot of good deeds. But what would really differentiate us as people of the true and living God, as followers and disciples of Jesus Christ, is our love for God that is also expressed 
in our love for one another in the body of Christ. Someone once shared this with me. We can only give to the extent that we have received. So how do we cultivate this godly agape love? There are different ways. I've just identified three ways that I could share this morning. First way would be by keeping, that is, obeying the words, ways, and the works of Jesus. In John 15.10, Jesus says, If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands, that is, obeyed my Father's commands, and remain in His love. Notice that this is not a legalistic command, but it is within the context of a love relationship with Jesus. You will remain in my love. The context is a loving relationship with Christ. Now, the second way that we can cultivate this agape love is by cultivating our walk with the Holy Spirit. Paul in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And what will be the outcome of that, of walking by the Spirit? In verses 22 to 23, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So the fruit of the Spirit is really a measure of our spiritual walk and growth. How do we know that we are growing in the Lord? When we can see the fruit, and it's the fruit of the Spirit. Now at this point, I'd just like to share with you something that happened to me earlier this week about cultivating the, a walk with the Holy Spirit. Earlier this week, I was just in, we was just, uh, I was in a chat group and we were having some conversations and I was just thinking, oh, you know what? I'm just going to raise this incident that happened, um, which actually happened many years ago and just to make a point and I sent it into the chat group. Right after I sent it into the chat group, I had an immediate prompt from the Lord. I heard him and I saw the words appear in my mind in front of me. It just, it's, it's, the words appear in my mind and the words was this, love keeps no record of wrongs. And mind you, earlier this week I was preparing this sermon and this verse came up. I immediately picked up the phone and I deleted that message for everyone. It was a little bit too late because there were people who already who saw it. And I said, Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that I sent it just to make a point, just for myself to feel good about it. But truly, that's what love is. So you see, in that instance, this is what perhaps in my experience would be a cultivated, a, of me cultivating a walk with the Holy Spirit, where I feel a prompt within me, a nudge within me, cautioning me. All right? So that's, I hope that will be helpful for you. Now, the third way that we can cultivate this agape love would be that we walk together as a community of believers, as followers of Christ, disciples of Christ. In Hebrews 10, 24, 25, the author said this, 
let us consider how we may spur one another towards love and good deeds, not giving up the meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Jesus is returning soon. Are we ready? The more we cultivate our relationship with Christ Jesus by spending time communing with Him in His Word and in prayer, by responding and walking with Him in obedience, the more we will grow in His love and into the image of Christ, individually and as a body of Christ, as a community of believers. I'd like now to leave you with an exhortation by Christ Jesus, penned and delivered by the Apostle Paul, his faithful servant. Reading from Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness, and compassion. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by being, becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. I'd like us now to just take some time to just reflect. You might like to close your eyes, or you might, whichever helps you. What is something that God is prompting you now in light of this message? What is something that God is prompting you in light of this message? Would you like to respond to Him in prayer right now?
going to pray on behalf of all of us right now. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your word. Your word is living. Your word is active. Your word sanctifies. And we thank you, Lord, that we have your word today. That your word would reflect the conditions of our heart, of my heart as well. Father, we want to ask right now for your forgiveness. For those times, Lord, that we have not heard your, we have rejected your voice, that we have ignored the prompts of your spirit. For those times, Lord, that we have done or acted in ways that were contrary to your word, that were contrary to your spirit. Lord, we ask for your forgiveness of this. And we thank you, Lord, that we can come before you, our good heavenly Father, who is so loving, gracious, who is so merciful, faithful, who is so long-suffering towards us. And you promised us, Lord, that if we were to confess our sins, you will be faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This morning, Lord, as we come to you right now, we ask, Lord, Help us, Father, to love others as how you love us. Help us, Lord, to keep your ways, your words, your works, the works of Christ. Help us, Lord, to cultivate our walk with the Holy Spirit, to walk in step with you, to be able to discern your voice above every other voice, to be able to discern your word, and that, Lord, that our hearts will always be soft and tender before you. And help us, Lord, to walk together as a community of believers. Not just within the Billabong Church, but with your larger body as well. That, Lord, that we desire to see your love being made manifest amongst us. We desire to see your love being expressed through us, your church so that others will be able to encounter Christ and others will know what the love of Christ looks like in this world. We commit ourselves to you and we thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.